Hey everybody, we're the Con Artists, this is Dan, and uh, we're here to tell you about the latest show that we finished in our rolling review, Active Raid, from the winter of 2016. Um, the show's set in the near future where, uh, according to the opening narration, crime has gotten out of hand and government factions have created a bit of a bureaucratic maze. Uh, navigating that maze is Unit 8, which is some kind of elite semi-secret police squad that responds to crime using willware, these powered armor suits that can be fitted with a variety of gear and used for everything from police work to military application to construction and so on. And uh, they begin early on to tangle with a hacker group calling itself uh, Logos, which is led by this mysterious young guy who calls himself Mythos. And this fellow and his uh, organization are basically out to... Well, it's not entirely clear initially, but uh, they have a beef with Japanese society, and the show follows uh, Unit 8 as it goes up against the various plots and crimes being committed by Logos and its members, and uh, tries to figure out A, who these people are, and B, how can we stop them. So, uh, we're each going to talk a little bit about what we thought of the show, um, and why don't we start with Scott? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'll cover the things I liked about the show first, since it's a pretty short list, and then we can move on to the things after that. So the, the bureaucratic aspect of the show was probably like the most interesting draw, like a thing this show is doing that other shows haven't. Uh, Unit 8 has to work around an awful lot of limitations put on them by the government. And it's not just like the government with a big G. It's like every prefecture has their own guy. Every bit of the town has its own thing, like the railway organization is in charge of certain things and all of these people are putting limitations on what unity can do and they have to work around this while trying to actually do their jobs so while their job may seem simple hey there's a guy over there in a suit go beat him up until you can put him in jail there's all these extra things they put onto them that make it harder but also realistic because these wheel wearers are pretty powerful and they can cause a lot of damage if you don't use them carefully Granted, a lot of the politicians also would put restrictions in place for their own petty personal gain, mm -hmm. which was clever and amusing and also sadly realistic. So that part was pretty good. I will actually jump in real quick, and I gotta say that in, I think it was the second episode, uh, their chief goes on what I can only call an apology tour between all of the different uh, like government, uh, government factions and bureaucracies and different offices that... Uh, they have annoyed in their most recent escapades and just has to kind of bow and scrape while secretly loathing every minute of it. So I agree, that was actually pretty cool. Right, how realistic. Uh, and for this reason, the first episode of the show is probably the best episode there is. Like, the bureaucratic stuff is in full force, they're working cleverly to get around it. The bad guys are, like, they're just two random dudes. They're not even part of this, like, Muthos organization, Logos. But they use social media to, like, get people in the way because they know the police won't shoot. They try all these clever tactics to maneuver. And Unit 8 really has to pull out the stops and try to find a way to catch them. Like, I think they kind of blew all their good ideas at once because it is a pretty interesting and well-made episode that gave us some hope for a show that ultimately didn't really deliver. Uh, so let's I'm gonna start talking about the stuff I didn't really like. Uh, like, at the beginning of the show, they give... Like, Unit 8 is, has this nickname, the Garbage Men. Uh, they basically are considered to do too much collateral damage, and they're 
when they're doing their missions, usually because they're working around these limitations, but the public doesn't know that. And so they're always kind of, they're supposed to be battling against public perception as they do their jobs. This, like, didn't make it past the first episode. I don't think this ever came back, which is too bad because it had sort of an underdog feel for these guys. Like, after that, I don't even know that it mattered if there was public opinion. So that was a little sad, I guess. I guess they kind of hint at it every once in a while. Like, sometimes they'll cut away to the politicians who are like, ah, Unit 8's on the job. Ain't nobody likes them, or something random like that. But yeah, the, the nickname itself never came back. And yeah, they and never, unfortunately... Hmm? Go ahead. Oh, just that they never really show any of that either, but we'll get into that more in detail. But it's just, it's all these politicians saying, we don't like these guys, we don't like these guys. Well, why is never really addressed. Right, and actually, in the end, it mostly ends up being the governor who doesn't like Unit 8. And it's usually because he's they have accidentally foiled one of his schemes. Hmm. Uh, that he had going on but as a larger thing it never really went anywhere uh and then there's also kind of like the whole premise of the show so the premise was that this new recruit sort of like she's she's in the police force but she's new to unit eight was supposed to come in and she's spying for a large the larger police force to figure out if this new experiment in wheelware based policing is a good idea and you know given their bad track record already it should be an interesting thing as she both tries to integrate and has to spy this also didn't go anywhere. She's never seen spying or feeling bad about it until they pull it back in the last second in the final episode. And then, like, her her, her superior's like, oh, you have to, like, we're going to break up the unit. We, we listen to your reports, and even though you were trying to make them out to be positive, we don't care. We're shutting it down. But then her superior comes in and goes, no, nah, I'm, I'm countermanding that order that this guy just gave. Like, go do your thing. I don't know who either of you people are. Like, I have no basis for why I care. So... Her whole spying thing also went nowhere. That was a ridiculous plot device. Kind of a plot device. Like, they just could have, could have had her be a new recruit and it would have had the same impact. Mm. I mean, it's a show about law and order, right? These are the police. They're doing that kind of stuff. But we don't really see, like, the consequences of people breaking the law. Yeah, they arrest a couple of criminals now and again. But they're, like, Logos is manipulating them, most of them, into being criminals and so they kind of get like a sob story, and we're not really sure what happens to them after that. But then there's people that have long-running like criminal enterprises going on, like the governor, who's basically doing a bunch of illegal stuff. And like people die because of him. Nothing ever happens to that guy. Like there's no there's no justice in the end in a show about justice. So very odd there. And kind of playing off that theme, there was a lot of sort of long-running plots that also didn't really go anywhere. The governor was in cahoots with Logos to get a bunch of stuff or like through his secretary. That didn't go anywhere. Dog, one of the guys from Logos, breaks off from them and fights them and then goes into a coma. And you're like, oh, he's going to come out of the coma and give them valuable information they need to take down Logos. No, he never comes out of the coma. We even see him again. Uh, there was like a hard drive they were decrypting to find all this information on the previous governor that vanished. Like, like that never came back. There's a whole episode devoted to getting it back. But who knows? And there's a race for the governor going on, and this new guy is going to come and try and shake things up, and the governor's all worried about it until that whole plot vanishes. I don't know, there's a huge number of things that just don't have any payoff at the, in the end. I know they're going to go for a second season, but these don't feel like things that should have been left for the second season, uh, basically. I would tend to agree. There's a ton of stuff that just never gets addressed or resolved. Um, the JSDF has this big kind of role to play or at least that's what we're led to believe trying to uh basically uh bogart uh the use of will wares for their use only 
um, because they don't think that the police can handle them. Uh, and there's a there's even a plot with one of the uh, main characters' girlfriends being a member of the or former girlfriends being a member of the JSDF, and that goes nowhere as well. Like you said, it's a really long list of things that have absolutely no payoff, and stretching them out into the second season, like they they just kind of pop up and then leave. There's no there's no like undercurrent. There's no sense that oh these are things that still need to be addressed. They're just kind of like yep here's a plot point. Are you going to resolve that? Nope. Right, like the girlfriend. Like, she shows up one episode briefly, and we're like, hey, this is a character, I guess. We don't really know what her deal is. Then there's an episode that's basically focused on the relationship between her and her former boyfriend that's on Unit 8, which doesn't really get resolved. They meet briefly in the second-to-last episode, but their relationship has no bearing at all on what happens in that episode. And the final episode actually has the JSDF coming in and doing a bunch of stuff, and she's nowhere to be seen. She's not even in the final episode. So why did we build her up? Seriously. Uh, Chekhov would be very disappointed. To say nothing of Baba Michi. Oh, jeez. Oh, my goodness. I think, Dan, I think you summed that up so beautifully. Like, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Like, es- that's just all you needed to say for that part. Essentially, yeah. There's a point where, one, where when this uh, woman is reintroduced, uh, they keep going on about this person who looks like someone else named baba michi is like is this supposed to be a celebrity is this a is this a personality that we're supposed to know everyone keeps saying it as if the name itself or merely mentioning them is some kind of joke but if it is it's completely lost on the rest of us like well, except for kazari who also doesn't know what's going uh, on right you think kazari's gonna be your you know rode in and that never happens right because they it, never it, explained it to her either that's, right yeah, is there like an episode 2.5 that we didn't get over here or something? Or like an omake? The like, Legend of Baba Meech. Right, what's the t- okay, that would be a pretty good name for an episode. But... Maybe it'll be a you know, DVD only. Maybe. There you go, something like oh, that. Man, could be that or, you know, second season. Well, yeah, but like that's right. a long, long time to wait for a payoff on a joke that like, it should have been reverse order basically if you oh, want yeah. us to actually care. Uh, and then there's everyone, everyone, every character on the team gets their own character episode mostly. And not one of those episodes, not one of the things we learn about the characters in those episodes has any bearing beyond that episode. I think once one of the characters mentions what like the events of one of the episodes offhandedly, and that is it. Mm. So like we're supposed to be getting to know our team, but I don't really feel like I learned anything useful about how they do their jobs. Uh, and my single, and then there's my biggest complaint about the whole show. So in the last couple of episodes, spoilers, I suppose, if anyone's really looking forward to watching Active Raid, uh, given how we've been bashing it so far, the villain's entire reason for being the villain of the show is that he's not sure, like he's trapped in Japan, like they won't let him leave the country, and he thinks his sister is dead, I guess. Or actually, we have no idea where he thinks his sister is or if she's even alive, but she, he, it seems like he thinks she's dead. Uh... And, yeah, that's pretty and, and, distressing, because I guess, what's the whole shtick? Like, he was involved in a cultist act. Well, he wasn't involved. His parents were instigators for a cultist act, and uh, he got stuck in Japan as a result, and his sister got shipped overseas. And I guess his whole reason for living was to find her, and with the assumption that she's dead, he's just throwing it all in the bag or are out in the ring in order to take down all of Japan. Right, he's going to take down the government system. Like, this is in a future where Japan has kind of like a big brother 
network of com- like a computer thing that basically controls all of the systems in the country. So he's going to try and take that thing over. And so he doesn't know like the, and then, so in the, in the end of the show, they were able to get him to relent basically by saying, Oh, well, you know, we found your sister. She's alive under a different name in some other country. Won't you give yourself up and we'll try and reunite you guys. And it works except that, this is a show that's all about like this guy being a tech savvy genius. He creates this powerful search engine called Lico, which everyone uses, and it's part of his dastardly plot that it has a back door in it and all this other stuff. And not once does he think to use it to find his sister. Like some random girl doing a school book report basically searches for his sister or for information on the tragedy and finds out about the sister, and that's how they figure it out. Like, really, dude? You couldn't just do one search to find out if she exists? It just the whole show's plot hinges on this point, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> not to His and mind he can't get out so of Japan. But, yeah, he could not think to use Google. Right, and he can't get out of Japan, but he can manipulate the foster system or something to like rotate to a new family every month and have oh, a yeah. and have a large like uh, have a large office building demolished at a whim when he needs to cover his tracks, like. His, that was a little weird. Like, there's definitely no consequences for that building falling over. Yeah, his his entire his entire means and like method of doing things are completely at odds. Like, he's supposed to be, you know, this guy that we're supposed to feel sympathy for because oh, he's trapped in this society that is judging that is judging him unfairly. It's like, well, I can't entirely say that it's unfairly considering that your whole parents cultist thing led to the deaths of what we assume are like hundreds of people. Now, even if it wasn't your fault, I can understand why the government would want to keep tabs on you, but did you ever try appealing your case? Where in all of you, where in all of your, I want to say, 18 years on this earth, did you become a genius programmer and apparently have the have access to finances that would embarrass Batman? Right, like, he, he was five years old at the time of this terrorist attack. Who brought this kid up? Like, I guess government orphanages? It's well, completely less a terrorist unclear. attack than cult of suicide. Oh, cult of suicide, yes, but like still totally unclear. Yeah. All right, so that's that's him, and those are my major points. So uh, who wants to take a shot at this thing next? Oh man, here we go. Mm-hmm. All right, so I in, in a nice neat package, Scott. I think you covered a lot of what I had to say, but in a nice neat package, Active Raid is probably one of the laziest shows I've ever seen. I actually eventually had an image of the entire cast the crew and the director just writing an episode together in a like uh like a japanese pub or something all getting wildly drunk waking up the next day and going so what did we all write about i have no idea let's just start over because nothing mattered nothing connected nothing ever had any purpose and to steal dan's favorite line to what end? <laughs> like, we learned all about all these different people, each person. They wasted a whole episode on each person. To what end? They never connected to one another. It didn't bring them closer together as a team. They, like, mostly gelled together, eh, to begin with. And they it's not like they got any better. Right. It's not like they got any worse. It meant nothing to the show as a whole. Then they drop these interesting concepts. Like, I think my first episode, episode two... Rin, the the boss lady, she drops this interesting concept at the very end of the episode when Asami's still, like, pretending her spy plot matters, uh, and then says, you know, we're, we're, it doesn't matter about collateral damage, because that's where Asami learns a lesson and blows up a building accidentally, and she's like, oh no, this is harder than it looks. 
and and Rin's like it's not about all that other stuff you hear in the reports our our duty is to uphold the law and when you remember that everything else falls into place so I thought it was gonna be this interesting discussion about the law and what it really means to uphold justice and maybe a battle of, of what justice means no none of that ever comes up again and things are swinging wildly we get an episode where some guy uh, gets manipulated because he desperately wants to meet a transgender idol and then swinging you know so it looks it it's simultaneously kind of creepy and kind of hilarious and then it swings all the way to the other end where the the villain's plot is a mass cultist suicide and in one episode they kill a guy who's trying to get funds for his sick daughter in the philippines or something like Nothing ever made sense in this show. There was so, very little consistency. Holy cow, it, it was so nonsensical. I could never really get over how dumb everything was and just how lazy everything was. Character designs, writing, any themes. It was so here, here. embarrassing, you know, to, to watch this show. Um, That... I'm going to bring up that thief girl. So for anyone oh, who is yes. watching, or, or sorry, reading our reviews, there is a a pickpocket that gets caught in episode one, and then it was like the show's gag where she would appear in every single episode doing something random. And it was, it was driving me crazy because I was like, please, please tell me, if nothing else... You have some secret master plan for this girl. Like, she is actually the uber villain. I had a whole plot for her. Do you understand? She was going to... So everybody had ridiculous names on Team Muthos. There was Bird. There was Dog. Um, there was Mythos. And I was like, oh, man. Her name is going to be, like, Usagi. And she's going to be the one secretly running the entire show the whole time. No. None of that happened. Not even none a of bit. that happened. There, there was not. Not only was there no payoff, there was no joke. It was just, hey, it's her again. It's yeah. It's she... even lazy. It's even lazier than having Stan Lee in every Marvel movie. At least those scenes are usually played for laughs. Right. Those are fun. And yeah, there's there's an entire joke behind that. This has nothing. It's like, why does she appear ever? What was your whole angle? To what end? Like. Oh my goodness, it drove me crazy. I'm so mad there was no plot with her, and I swear, unless she is, like, part of the team or something in season two, and I don't know of- Season two, pick- Thief Girl's Revenge. Uh. Yeah, Thief Girl's Revenge, and the legend of Baba Michi. <laughs> like, I oh, will- I Yeah. I- I just- I got so mad, and I was so upset that none of it mattered. Um, I'll- yeah, the well, I guess it, the finale, Scott, you really covered. I kind of had points about it, but just so much stuff came out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. It was so worthless. And, oh, goodness, this show. So I guess I'll end with some minor good things for anybody who uh, tries to pick anime out there to watch with your kids or something. Active Raid, for the most part, is extremely tame. Um, there's minor, minor stuff that I could call fan service but having watched the anime of today i i would think it barely qualifies as that Mm -hmm. so overall it's a very very clean show there's no cursing in it there's no violent death scenes in it there's no gore in it it's it's a show you could watch with your kids for the most part good luck having your kids get any of the stuff that goes on here we're, yeah. we're we're four college educated adults i like to think that we're on our game but this 
Uh, Agreed. Agreed. You're definitely I mean, not going to get anything out of that, but like everybody's there's, there's in colorful enough, robot suits. And... Yeah, there's just not enough action for to like keep a kid interested. It's, this, is, I don't know. this is true. I mean, there's, too, not... there's too much talking in politics for like for that sort of thing. But there isn't enough to keep an adult interested. I don't know. Everything's just so half done. Yeah, it is a, it's a half-baked pie. You're, you're definitely going to get salmonella or something. Don't eat it. <laughs> but, yeah, I like that. Good metaphor. Yeah, but it's, it is something just at, for an objective statement you could watch with your kids. It's got that, that level of clean to it. Fair point. So I guess I'll have to give credit where credit is due for, for that, if anybody's interested in that point. Uh, two is, I'm so sorry, Scott. You got the episode where... It is revealed that Bridge Bunny Madoka is secretly the queen of gambling, Bloody Mary, from like underground casinos or whatever, until they like casinos became legal or something like that. Uh, but yep. back when they were on the black market and underground, she was the queen of gambling, supporting her four brothers and sisters or something like that. We're never the seen again, is, I might note. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> never see them. Never see them. The point is, I thought this was hilarious because at a certain point i realized that if active raid didn't either spin out of control completely or get really serious and good i was i wasn't gonna get hooked at all and that episode was actually the spin off the rails completely <laughs> like madoka shows up and is super serious in this ridiculous like madame papillon outfit she's it's got like ridiculous. this butterfly mask and china dress and they're they're fighting this guy who's an expert in poker in their will wear suits like they're sitting there in their suits holding playing cards and i was like it doesn't get better awful than this like i love this episode it's so amazing so i thought that was hilarious and the show in my opinion if it had gone just completely that which is bat shiznit was happening every episode i would have laughed and i probably would have had a much better opinion of it than than i do now i'll second that here here so that was hilarious and the last point i'll make is just did any of you guys love uh, Asami's nonsensical English as much Ugh. as I did. If by, she would just randomly break out into pure English sentences. If by love like, you mean want to want to smack her head into the dashboard every single time, uh, they did throw away one line in the very end that she was overseas at one point. Yes. Which apparently yes. is where she picked up all of this random English but she just she uses it to punctuate her sentences, not the way that a native speaker would drift back into their own language if they were angry. But it is such a forced character affectation that I just ah, it's like never ever right, speak it has, again. Just, just right, please. it has no purpose. It it matters to nothing. It's mentioned completely offhand, but she uses it at the most random times. Oh. I think my favorite is when they break up Unit Eight, and she's in the elevator, and they're like they're breaking up Unit Eight, pure English. She goes. What? What do you mean? Did they not read my report? And like runs out of the elevator. Right, it's like, weird. It seems like she mostly what? says it when she gets surprised. Like that's like her when she turns red. Huh? Like she'll say something in English. Yeah, she'll be like, "What? Oh no!" What? Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! I found it riotously funny, and I was just like, "Oh man, English just happened." I was like on the lookout for it because the episodes were so painfully boring. I was like, "I really hope Asami speaks in English today." Or the oh. Queen of Gambling comes back. Yeah. So those are those are my minor, minor good points. But on the whole, uh, 
you know, this, this show is not good. And can I just say, we should have watched Erased. Uh, as oh my review. goodness. Yeah, we, we shouldn't stress too much here, but Erased is amazing. So go watch that instead. Mm-hmm. Yes, go watch that instead. All right, Brendan. I mean, like we've we've gone over it so far, but like it, it really does seem like the show would have been a lot better if they just decided whether to make it a serious police drama or a comedy. Is mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably would have been uh, went over a lot better if they just stuck to the comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if like, these guys can write a joke any better than they can write serious drama, but uh, you are right that picking one over the other would probably have resulted in a stronger show. Yeah, if they had to pick between the two, comedy would have won. Out. Like you said, like. They they couldn't keep any of the dramatic stuff going. Uh, you know, like we we referenced their their fight with the governor a couple of times, but it never really goes anywhere. Like there's the interesting reveal that the secretary is actually the one working with Logos, but then we never really figure out who she was working with because Mutos didn't seem like he was the one supplying the stuff, and Dog didn't know who he was dealing with when he went up to the you know the Metro building. Well, I think we're setting up the third guy, uh, Bird, the student right? council guy, Bird, as being like the uber villain that's playing everybody, and he, they they let him they let him go free for like no reason at the end of the thing there, so he can go be the second season villain. I think it's all him. I, just, I mean, I guess it just seems like a weird thing to not like have any closure for. Uh, uh, that's pretty much the story of the whole show. <laughs> Why is there closure clearly. for any of this? We never, we never got into the um, the quagmire. Like Tokyo now is sits in a incredibly large zone of like liquefied soil, which is you get all over the uh, city's perimeter. You're just looking at sunken buildings. One of the episodes actually takes place out there, or part of it does. Right, like there's all this, uh, but that was that was never world. explained. Yeah, just it happened. Uh, I guess I, I mean, which, all about that. Good I mean, job, Brendan. Refloat waterfront. Oh, that's yeah, right. That, that was my episode. The refloat waterfront. Where they were, they were talking about doing something, <laughs> but it was never really clear what they were going to do, and then they didn't get to do it. Right. I think the the closest I understood was like they were going to have a bunch of hologram projectors show what the city's gonna look like if they ever finish rebuilding it, but it was super unclear. Yeah. Guys, there was an earthquake. Well, Why don't you calm down? I mean, not earthquake. Yeah. Yeah. Or something. Right. Something happened or didn't. I mean. Uh, I actually looked this up earlier today. I mean, Japan has had problems with soil liquefaction on, you know, as a result of earthquakes, but not to the uh, obviously the scale that we see in Tokyo. And it's dependent on how the soil is, so it's not clear whether it could happen there. Anyway, like, yeah, that was a weird background detail. Uh, like, and and just half the time it didn't seem like anything, like even made sense. Hmm. Like the uh, at any level <laughs> of this show, like like in the episodes I was I uh, wrote the reviews of, I would always sit down and be like, I'm not entirely sure why half of this is happening. Like in the uh, in the in the idol episode, why did they have Asami like dance in the mech if they were trying to wrest control over it of it over the over the wireless anyway? Because we like we if we already uh, figured out that that guy wasn't a threat, why were we trying to manipulate the pilot? Right. That was see. It's just like they want both of these things to happen at the same time, so they just kind of do it because it doesn't need to make sense because the script demands it. And then, like at the beginning of the rail episode, um, uh, Haruka or whatever her name is 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 out at a remote train station, like ready, you know, like getting ready to like take a tour of the abandoned tracks, and I'm like were you going to meet somebody here? And like, why is 
the you know uh the um the candidate for governor from the opposition party out here like in waiters because <laughs> <laughs> is there a backstory we missed like is he out here i don't know picking up cans or something in the middle of this abandoned railway what, what were you doing here are you not into trains? <laughs> uh, oh my goodness, that was so ridiculous. Very little right, setup, like, very little payoff. Right, and then, like, a little old lady shows up out of nowhere and she's like, oh my goodness, like, what are any of you doing here? It's an abandoned, right, an abandoned rail spot. station. There's nothing here but dirt. Like, did, did you just get back from shopping? or <laughs> Like, you're like, still carrying your bags. I don't understand. Where did you walk here from? It's like Central Casting said, we need a Japanese, like a middle-aged Japanese lady with groceries to show up to talk to this guy. And then, because, bam, she was there. Because it makes him seem uh, uh, right, you know, the, politically likable. He's politically likable. It, it's like it's like a political ad happened in the middle of my <laughs> anime uh. for a thing I didn't even know they were running for. It's <laughs> like everybody drank last night and forgot how to write the show. <laughs> there you go. Or... Or in the uh, the episode where they have to break into the compound, like that's guarded by the JSDF. Like nobody thought to like uh, try any more blunt means of communication because they assumed that it was under direct threat. But it wasn't actually under any direct threat until they got into a fight and the guy managed to pop a couple of drones off without being noticed. And and why did breaking the command vehicle shut down the the uh the IFF overlay on only some of the JSDF units. Right, like the only one that for some reason broke the control on totally was Miho, and she's the only one that might have been able to figure out who she was fighting from their movements because it's her boyfriend in the other suit. But no, she's the one the IFF overlay stops, you know, breaking down on. But then there's another dude behind her. Right, the random faceless work. goons like <laughs> keep thinking he's a bad guy. Like what? Who wrote this? The, yeah, they're just poorly put together all around. Yeah. Like, and let's see what else we have. The um, I didn't mind the fact, like, in a, uh, I didn't mind the fact that the girl in the background stayed in the background the entire time, uh, as much as Sue did. However, like, spotting her became less and less difficult as time <laughs> went on. It really did seem like they were getting a little like uh, lazy about it. They even uh, in the opening credits, she was originally visible in a sort of a subtle crowd scene, and then when they did the uh, the mid-season overhaul, they give her her own f- like frame where she's centered and giving the peace sign to the camera. I'm like, guys, you're not even trying. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, does this mean she's going to have a more important role? No. Uh, telling you she's Usagi. <laughs> I really hope she is. Not that I think I want to watch the second season, but... Yeah. And yeah, like you like you said, like we got all these character episodes where we sort of get a uh, you know get our feet wet in in the uh, character's personality. Except you know that never comes back; it never has any impact. We never even even in the episodes where we do like like uh, where they are in center stage, we don't learn that much about them. Like the chief guy probably has the most developed backstory only because we actually get to see him when he was younger more than once. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's an intensely brief flashback to like bloody Mary, uh, which who apparently has history with uh, Funasaka. And, and then we get to see him uh, in also in the, the giant mecha episode where he was interacting with one of the guys who you know developed the giant mechs. 
but then like nobody else really like like uh really got well developed i guess or or uh, what's the term i'm looking for characterized yeah kind of you know, like they all have the characteristics they start with in episode one and they don't really change after that point they all fill their role and we didn't it. even really get very much on Kuroki oh, either. The red like, there was a red thing guy? where he would red guy yeah. he got jack he got nothing he was right like uh, both of the episodes where they're going to develop the pilots it was kind of the other guy's show and even so then like... he didn't he didn't change at all he's still a stick in the mud he the blue guy yeah blue is kind of yeah uh yeah uh uh, oh, you know what I was really interested in is what the little mascot critter is. Oh, in the opening? Oh, my goodness. Well, no, throughout the show. It, like, it's on the guy's mug. Oh, okay. Oh, the no, fish. No, that's a background detail. No, it looks like, the the front of it looks like a fish, but then, like, it's got bird legs. <sighs> Wait a minute, so maybe it... that's Baba Michi. <laughs> that's oh, the my. secret! <laughs> dun, dun, dun! Oh, jeez. I, I sincerely hope not. Eh, I don't know. I can kind of see it working. Oh, I hear them coming for you, Dan. I think it's time that uh, you got to get out your your stuff quick. Then. Yeah. Well. <laughs> they know I you're don't insulting know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not guilty of any Wilbur crimes. I'm pretty sure they're. I'm pretty sure I'm beneath their notice. Unless oh, some guy in a robot suit suddenly kicks down that door, I'm pretty sure I'm in the clear. Anything Waiting else, Brandon? Breath. Um. Again, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't um, put off by a lot of the character or mecha design, really. But they didn't really fit the kind of serious show that the show seemed to be going for half the time. It would have been better served as your sort of like a more schlocky Power Rangersy kind of thing. All right, so Dan, I guess that that makes you last. Yeah, I suppose it does. And well, we've been. You guys have been pretty exhaustive in uh, your list of complaints, and I more or less agree with them point by point uh the mecha designs i actually found offensive in some cases they were so ugly um like uh kiroki or whatever the heck his name is red guy like his was relatively generic and inoffensive all of the other ones like the 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 girl who's obsessed with trains has this one that has like a cat face on it um, they all have the most insane names, like Elf Sigma and like, oh god, I can't even. Well, Oscar one and Oscar two. Oh, yeah. are... No, Oscar no, no, no. That's, those, those are their call signs. That's fine, but the name of their acts, of the name of their actual robot suits, are even more ridiculous. Like, uh, oh, um, the Spy Girl, who is ostensibly like our main character at the start of it, hers is called like the Fine Familia. That's oh, yeah. right. And hers is oh, a right, oh god, right. hers is an atrocity of me- of mech design, but like I won't even I won't even get into that. Even more of a tiny irritating thing for me was everyone's hair. I know I told you guys about this while we were watching it, but there was something about everyone's hairstyles that just annoys me deeply. Everyone's all swoopy and changes direction, and there's no consistency to it. It's like it's basically like imagine if someone told someone to draw anime hair. Now, somebody knew what anime hair was, but had never actually seen it. This is what I feel you would have gotten. Everyone has, like, a bang or two that doesn't follow everyone else's. Uh, The chief and her, like, twin, but actually much younger sister both have a hoge that go, like, on for days. 
everyone looks so dumb. Like they've all got these. Yeah, weird... I will admit the um the twins have a ponytail, which as a girl I can tell you, ponytails don't look like they're pin the tail on the donkey clipped <laughs> to the upper part of your head. Nah. That's not how it works. They're they're your it's your hair <laughs> tied up. So that looked so unnatural. Uh, well, and uh, even if it were even if unnatural, I can deal with that. I just can't deal badly done on top of that. And everyone's got, like, these weird, like, multicolored reflections in their eyes that look like they belong on some kind of idol show where they're constantly staring at, li- at bright lights or something. There's no reason for that. It's, ah, uh, it, it's, so anno- it's so annoying. Everyone just kind of looks bad. And that, that really ha- didn't help either. Um, and it also leads me to, d- do you remember how in the very beginning of the show there was a big deal about them trying to conceal their identities? <gasps> Like episode one, oh my god, we can't let anyone see who's under the willware. Yeah, and how, I do remember and that. like they run and like at one point these two guys have like had to go into overdrive. I think they call it like sublimation mode. Sublimation where mode. Yeah. yeah, where they're Mexico black and they have to like fight these dudes with like su- with like their extra power and everything. It's their limit break effectively, but they can only use it for a little while. And when they end it, their mech suits dissolve. Yeah. And at one point, like, Kazuki or whatever the heck her name is, she's running up flights of stairs with a backpack-mounted, like, canopy launcher to cover these dudes before anyone can see who they are. That never comes up again. The The sublimation mode dissolving the robot suit? Never even mentioned again. And, more to the point, where was sublimation mode in the final battle? You were talking about things not making sense in the final episode, how, like, Mythos's background and everything doesn't make a lick of sense. Well, he's in this insane, like, high-tech uh, European <laughs> Union military willware that is... Well, transform transforms motorcycle. into a motorcycle and a dual-rotor hovercraft. <laughs> Are you guys con- as convinced as I am that they watched like Advent Children and played Final Fantasy Thirteen? No, they watched like, Bubble- that morph into a motorbike and it's like Bahamut spinning gear no, thing. Wait a no, 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 no. What no, if no. it's Big Volfog? Uh, <laughs> don't say that. It is none of those. It is none of those things. It is none of those things. The mecha designer watched frigging uh, watched frigging Bubblegum Crisis because they had transforming they had transforming robot suit exoskeleton motorcycle dual rotor things already back in like 1988 they had those things they watched these and they just did it worse <laughs> that's what <laughs> make me one like like that but don't don't work too hard <laughs> exactly it's make like... me one like that son but i want it extra ugly oh yeah oh, god <laughs> and yes and they never use sublimation they never use sublimation mode to fight him it's like if there was ever a time to bust out your super moves now would be the time i'm pretty sure it's like oh his willware is so much more powerful than ours i'm pretty sure if all four of you went into into uber mode and just started beating on the guy you could have gotten some results they did all go into sublimation in the prior episode, right? right? Yeah, to fight the uh, uh, to f- at least one of them JSDF. did. Yeah, but apparently and... dissolving isn't a thing anymore. Right. No, it just kind of ran out of power. But like, then they were back to normal. Uh, so there's no reason not to use it all the time. I don't know. Yeah. So that was that's another that's another of the various things that was lost. Uh, you know, uh, the whole potential of having the team skirting around a bureaucracy and red tape was lost. Um, 
Logos and they nod to it every now and again. Yeah. But it's never interesting. Again. Logos and Mythos, uh, in particular, could have been interesting if they'd been better characterized or actually been some kind of anonymous-like hacker organization that you know claims to be doing this for the good of uh, either for the good of society or to expose society's like flaws. But they never actually get to that point. We just have to kind of take our take their word for it that they're morally ambiguous. But we've seen members of their team straight up murder people. Dog crushes a man to death and later on when he's later on when he's broken away from the team uh the other two send a hit squad after him ostensibly to capture him but they're a bunch of mafia hitmen they show up loaded for bear and like just proceed to nearly to attempt to kill him straight out and then he murders all of them with a freeze bomb along with god knows however many other people in later in later in that episode when he uses it on a like a city block and then they never explain why we have the freeze yeah. bombs. Exactly. Was there was there a purpose? Like they to this? came from so like they, they said they came from some company, but like why do we need right. freeze bombs that can freeze entire? Was city this blocks? something you were planning on using in your big caper at the end to hack into Japan's central database? Never explained. Never made clear. But I'm enjoying how the three of you are slowly working your way to my amazing theory that they got drunk every evening <laughs> and forgot the entire world overnight. Uh. Because it does seem like there was an, a data dump on everything they needed to remember. Like uh, maybe just maybe like the you know the the world Bible got burned or something or lost during the drinking, which makes sense because the entire world feels empty the whole way through. Like you barely ever see people on the streets. You rarely see anything happening to make it look like the city or anywhere around it is alive. We're pretty much just focused entirely on the cast that we've established, which, as we have, as I said, established, are a bunch of boring like poorly characterized numbskulls. So there's no there's no life or breath or soul to the world. And as such, we don't get to see any consequence from Mythos's actions. It's like is <laughs> has has he been act like he is shut down at one point the entire like social and uh, the entire social network, internet uh, and civic infrastructure. Civ basically. Yeah, the entire civic infrastructure, thanks. For the entire city and all of Japan in fact and nobody's treating it like any big deal. Like the biggest, <laughs> right? Like, like the episode starts and it's like it's like the end of the previous episode was he he took over the admin rights. The start of the of the final episode was it's been three days since Japan was taken over by Muthos. Oh, good thing the grocery store is still open. Right, like everything's terrible, and we can only do what Muthos allows us to. And it's just like people just kind of being like, "Oh man, I sure hope this ends soon." I'm getting tired of doing whatever it is i do all day like no one is outdoors no one's angry it's just i guess everyone went inside i don't know the apocalypse in japan is going to be super <laughs> there was one incredibly half-assed like protest oh scene. yeah like one of the opposition party leaders was like trying to rally a group of it was like six guys yeah maybe <laughs> it wasn't that many. <laughs> to like ah oh, the government the government isn't telling us what's going on it's like really 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 that's the best you can do to show unrest they even like have they even pan out like to they show do. that they most of the area out. is deserted yeah. around them. It's mostly like, like cans uh, and and you know banana peels and stuff. Uh, I'm sure on like the bonus DVD, there's an extra scene where they're like, "Man, we were just here for the supposedly free bento." Like it's not even a riot. They just you know no, we're giving away free. There's stuff. no looting. There's no there's no riots. There's not even there's no protests or marches. Like you said, Scott. Apparently, the apocalypse in Japan is going to be incredibly polite and boring. Right, like, everyone's just going to go back to their homes, like, close their doors, and just die in <laughs> silence. Like, that's what it's going to be like, okay? Uh, 
Way to way to really make us feel the stakes there, guys. And to cut back really briefly to what Sue said before I close out, it's true that the show had nothing that was super objectionable. I mean, I object to a lot of things in the show, but it's on the basis of bad writing and visual design. In terms of, you know, there's there's no nudity, there's barely any fan service, there's not a lot of, like, really Japano-centric uh, jokes or weird cultural stuff that you just don't get, even if it's not objectionable, it's just not for you. There isn't a lot of that, for the most part. But I would argue that not having what I dislike is not the same as having what I like. And that not having objectionable content does not automatically make something worthy of your time. It just means that it's it just means that it's gruel. Just the the fact that there the fact that it isn't poisoned isn't really is a point in its favor, yes. But it's not really But helping. you don't go to the supermarket looking for things that say not poison. Exactly. <laughs> you do if the apocalypse is happening because it's still open, y'all. Oh. Uh, that's, that's true. <laughs> oh, dear. Don't buy Logos brand cereal, everyone. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, we have, as as you might have noticed, we've gone over time on this as it is. But uh, it, it's always easier to come up with lists of things that we don't like about a show than it is to come up with things that we like because we don't want to spoil or we, we want to minimize spoiling for good shows. For this, we don't care. The show didn't endear itself to any of us, really. We thought for a little while, like, oh, maybe they're going to lean more on sort of the madcap fun angle of things. No, that never really happened. Well, maybe they're going to become more serious. They sort of did, but then it fell flat. All in all, maybe after all the character episodes, uh, they're going to have a good plot for at least the last three. And no, nope, nope. So, yeah, why don't we just what's everyone's final thoughts? Okay, well, aside from Dan, who absolutely loves this show, (laughs) bought it on Blu ray (laughs) in order to rewatch it for his own satisfaction, the rest of us were not terribly pleased with Active Raid. I uh, wholeheartedly agree with Dan's last statement that while the show doesn't have any objectionable content, you you really should not give this show your time. My statement was more just to say, mm-hmm. from a completely objective standpoint, at least the show, on top of all of its awful, doesn't have all the stuff I guess we normally associate with anime. So, I figured I'd throw it some sort of bone. Um, the queen of gambling was the best thing ever. And, um, yeah, this show is lazy and boring, and we cannot stress enough that you should just avoid it and have nothing to do with season two if you accidentally watched it like we did oh the second season how did this show merit more like what person is going to take the financial risk of funding more of this show to be made i don't understand it because of the many things you can say about the show the animation quality other than a few noticeable moments doesn't drop that far well, it's like, pretty much universally it, boilerplate. It's it's not terrible, right, but, but it's, it's not, not great. Like, it's not god awful. So like this this couldn't have been that cheap to produce. And there's plenty of like CG for the mech suits and so on that can't have been cheap either. So who's funding this nightmare? I don't get it. Does anyone really care though? Like, are they selling a lot of toys? Is this a merch commercial? I mean, they do have an elaborate, elaborate willware putting on sequence for every member of the cast. Like, it definitely felt like I was back in, you know, a different genre of show where you want to buy the Transformer and all the cool parts and accessories every time they would have the characters get into a uniform. Yeah. But, but as Dan stated, who wants to buy these ugly things? Yeah, yeah. like it does. Like it was already stated, it doesn't really seem like it's a kid's show. Yeah. 
There's definitely not a kid show. This is like, you know, the, the Star Wars episode one of kid shows. There's too much trade negotiations, right? Mm. Like, there's not enough action, and there's not enough mechs kicking each other if you, that's what you're in for. Oh, I don't know. It never goes far enough in any direction. Originally, I was going to call this thing, like, you know, maybe like a 5 out of 10, because it didn't, for the longest time, it didn't elicit a strong reaction out of me one way or the other. But the more I thought about it, the longer I thought about it, and the less everything made sense, the angrier I got, and the more I realized this show is legitimately bad. It's not the worst I've ever seen. I probably couldn't make a panel out of it just because it's so dull. But even so, that doesn't... That doesn't fix its flaws. That doesn't for not being the worst thing ever doesn't forgive it. It doesn't forgive those issues. It's just a very cheaply made, badly produced show that feels like it was shoved out the door to meet some kind of quota. And it's just kind of And a every shame. word is double somehow. Alright, now I'm angry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> not only not only is this not only is this not very good, apparently somebody believes in it enough that it's going to keep going. And I feel bad for the studio working on it because now they're stuck with even more of this tripe. Oh, well, maybe season two will be amazing. Yeah. So in conclusion, if you want to watch um, people in power suits and uh, police drama, go watch Bubblegum Crisis and Pat LeBlanc. Darn right. Yeah, yes. really. Or, yes, those are your or if you want uh, absolutely like bonkers type stuff uh, with similar, with similar stuff, go dig up the old classic Shinesman. Oh, yeah. Shinesman. Sure. I was about to say, like, I didn't have time to interrupt you guys, but every time you're like, red guy, blue guy, like, in the back, while you guys were talking, I wanted to be like, red, blue, moss green. <laughs> salmon <laughs> pink. Sepia. Throw you guys, sepia, salmon pink. Yeah, Shinesman's fantastic. There's a show that manages to take its, like, Sentai team elements to their logically insane conclusion. And shows that there is no justice in the world by only being two episodes long with no continuation. Uh, mm-hmm. Well... Actually, that's our title for this. Active Raid. There, there is, is no, no justice. justice. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Scott. A uh, miscarriage of justice. Uh, Say it with me now. All right, guys. Well, that's that's the finale. The show was not good. We don't recommend it. And we all just should have watched Erased. Tune in mm-hmm. next time, guys. Bye. Take care.